so here we are and welcome folks to the podcast Raw Chatter, the stuff that matters. I am Vicky Midwood and I am your host and I am so excited and delighted to be joined by the amazing Becca Innes, who is going to tell us all about the two businesses that she runs, but that is not all she's going to tell us about. She runs an amazing The Bouncing Burner business, which she'll explain more about, and also a Reus, is it Reus or Reus? Reus. Rises, there you go, can't pronounce it. Uh, networking, uh, that is a recent uh, baby of hers, I guess, that she has co-founded. But we're not necessarily here to talk about that, although it's an important part of what we will discuss, because what Becca has managed to achieve and is still doing on a daily basis sometimes blows my mind. Because as you will find out, she is somebody who is dealing with pain, pretty much all of the time. Is that fair to say, Becca? Uh, yeah, very yeah. fair to say. That would be fair to say. So first of all, welcome. Would you like to tell our listeners more, first of all, about your current businesses? And then we'll go into the, the kind of the meat of the topic today, which is really about how people who are on crutches or are in a wheelchair are pretty much invisible to the general public and how that makes you feel. So jump in and tell us about your businesses first. So I'm the owner of The Bouncing Burner, which is a small business specializing in printing. So it's mostly um, business stationery and stuff. I do things like business cards, tissue paper, stickers, all the things to make the packages you send out to customers look pretty. Um, and I started that because of the issues with my leg. I needed to find something to do from home. So I've been doing that for over five years now. Wow. And I still love it. Um, and more recently, I launched Rises Networking with Chelsea White. So I am the co-founder. And we wanted to put the social aspect back into networking. We felt like a lot of networking meetings you go to, you're talked at, and people don't really get to know you. So we've kind of put the conversation back as the focus of our meetings. And it's going really well. Brilliant. And conversation is something that I'm guessing has been lacking when you have been in a wheelchair or on crutches and basically invisible to people. So I know your story, but obviously not all of it in depth, but our listeners don't. And you mentioned there that your issue with your leg meant that you wanted to find something that enabled you to work from home. So do you want to tell people what is the issue with your leg and just what that means and has meant for you, particularly over the last five years from when you decided to start your business and previous to that as well? Yeah, so the issues with my leg started when I was a child. Um, I was walking home from school when I was eight and my knee dislocated. And at the time we didn't really know why um they bandaged me up sent me home on crutches said come back in a few weeks and that it probably would never happen again but it did and for the next 10 years I went through a phase of constant dislocations but they didn't want to do anything surgical until I stopped growing wow. um so in 2007 I went into hospital had all the muscles in my leg realigned um it didn't quite go to plan wow. and it was a very painful surgery um I spent 12 weeks in hip to ankle plaster after that and when it finally came off I had to spend 10 days in hospital with my leg attached to a machine that bent it for me which sounds like a lot um and unfortunately it only held for about a year 
Um, oh, right. so, so can I just interject there? Prior yeah. to to the decision to go ahead with the surgery, were you offered any physio or given advice on how to strengthen and what to do to help to maybe ease the amount of times it dislocated or, or not really? Yeah, I had physio. I saw sports physios. I had it taped in place. I had right. molded insoles put into my shoes to see if it was to do with that. I had all sorts of things. I had acupuncture to help with the pain, um, but nothing seemed to to work. Um, and when you went with the surgery, at what age were you when you had that done? I was 17. Um, right. Gosh. So I literally finished school and the following week went into hospital and had that surgery. So it was... Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. Um it meant that all my friends went off to university and I didn't because I was recovering. Um, but I did go to university the following year and it was while I was there that it started dislocating again. Right. Um, but were you warned, Becca, that that potentially could happen or were you told that every, everything should be now hopefully working normally? At the time, I was told that it hopefully would work. And for some people, it did. Um, a girl that I was in hospital with at the same time, she actually had the same operation done on both legs, and she's still to this day fine. Wow. Um, so it just so happened that the reasons behind my dislocation made it a little bit more complicated. Right, right. And um, so when you were at uni then and things were starting to go wrong, were you in pain like you had been previously? Did you kind of know, oh, shoot, I've been here before, or or was it different? Yeah, I knew it was coming before the first dislocation happened because I could feel it pulling almost, but it wasn't quite dislocating. The difference was that it went one direction before the operation and then after the operation it went the other way. So oh it God. was different. Um, and it just, it became that, being at uni just wasn't a possibility for me anymore um and I was quite lucky that well I'm not lucky because my parents split up but it meant that my dad was close to where I was and I was able to go and stay with him for a bit until I got things sorted and um yeah I spent a lot of time I spent about 11 months in plaster while I was waiting on surgery to try and fix it Right, so was that pretty much the only option? You were going to have to go back and have more surgery? Yeah, because it was happening in my sleep. They would take the oh. plaster cast off and my knee would like, immediately just flop out of place. Um, so surgery was, at that point, the only option that I had. Right, and the whole time this was going on, how were you getting about or weren't you? Were you just kind of like a hermit at home? What, what were you up to? To be honest, I... Because I am very comfortable on crutches, I'm the type of person that will go and do things that I maybe shouldn't. I don't let it slow me down. If I'm in plaster, then I hop places. You know, I find a way to make it work. Um, and by this time, I have my partner. You know, I was able to go out and do things with him. He's been incredibly understanding about it most of the time. Because right. um, he's quite an active person. So some of the things that he enjoys, like hill walking, obviously, I, I, I'm yeah. not going to try and climb a mountain no not a good plan so talk to me about the how it affected you mentally when you realized that not only had this operation not done what you hoped it was going to do it meant that you had to come out of of uni and kind of put that dream on hold 
or, or at least to one side. And then the, 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 the thought that you were going to have to face more surgery and go through that being in plaster again, how did that affect you on a mental level? Um, it's going to sound really strange, but it didn't. Right. Um, I kind of just got on with it and took each thing as it came. I knew that, okay, leaving uni wasn't good, but by this point I'd figured out, you know what, I can go back and finish my degree with Open University once I've had the surgery. Um, because it was the only option, I didn't see the point in getting myself upset about the surgery. And I guess I just dealt with it as it came. Um, and would you say because because that's what people were listening will find quite amazing but would you say that that's always kind of been your attitude that on everything that you just kind of go with it and you deal with it because you can't change it is that a fair fair thing to say about how you kind of are yeah I very much accepted my situation and that my life was going to be an issue from a very young age I've grown up with it I've learned to work around it so whatever kind of happens with it to be honest yeah I mean there's days that I get frustrated um and there is it's like as we go through the story there was there was a time where it did upset me a little bit more but on the whole I've never been depressed I am the type of person that always shows up with a smile on my face because there's people out there that don't have a leg that are a lot worse off than I am so right which is an amazingly positive way of of looking at anything for for people who are who are listening it's not something that you kind of suddenly decided oh I'm going to think positive it sounds like you were that way from you from being a very very young age so talk us through so you had the second surgery and you were back in your in your plaster again uh, and then talk us through what happens after that so the second surgery there's pluses and minuses so according to you know it doesn't dislocate anymore so from that point of view it works there's pins in there they hold it in place so it can't dislocate the chances of that graft failing now are quite slim right um i think it'd be more if i had an accident or you know some other trauma that would would be involved but the downside was that i was left with a lot more pain in that leg um and after two surgeries i've got a lot of nerve damage so I can't actually feel my right foot properly and people that have met me will notice that or have noticed that the lower half of that leg and my foot sometimes go blue now to me that's normal it happens I know how to deal with it but to them they're like oh my god your foot's blue (laughs) yeah so um And does that, is that something that, again, you've just learned to manage the pain? Because because the way that you're talking about it is like, it, it, the downside is that it's, it's more painful. And is that like all the time? Is there any ever any let up to it? Uh, no, I only have one memory where I wasn't in pain. And that was because I just had surgery and I was off my face on ketamine. And I actually right. said, am I dead? Because I couldn't feel any pain. And to me, that was so bizarre. I just right. couldn't quite comprehend. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there was a difficult time after that surgery because by 2019, the amount of pain I was in was, it was a lot. And I knew something wasn't right. Right. But from 2016 to 2019, orthopedics kept saying, it's not surgical. We don't need to see you. Go back to physio. 
Um, so eventually I made the decision to go and get seen privately and had an operation that removed scar tissue, that removed loose metal work, that removed undissolved stitches. Oh and because I'd had that loose metal work, every time I was moving my leg, the pin was grinding the like against my bones. Jeez. So I needed to have all that fixed. And yeah. I'm not bitter about it. In the lead up to it, I was frustrated because, you know, if the hospital won't see you, it's you know, it is a bit demoralizing. But I'm not angry because yes, it cost me a lot of money, but it's the best money that I have spent because although I'm still in pain now, it's manageable. Right. And so when we talked about earlier about you having periods of time when you felt invisible because you're on crutches or in a wheelchair, just talk us through for somebody who has never experienced what that can feel like how do people kind of make you feel invisible do they literally just talk to the person who's pushing the wheelchair or just look past you or how, how does it kind of play out yeah there's lots of different scenarios so yes I mean for me using a wheelchair is only on a really bad day or if I need to you know be doing a lot of mileage so you're talking things like you know when I'm out in Florida on holiday there's no way I'm going around those parts on crutches. But yeah, they speak to my sister or my partner, whoever's pushing the wheelchair rather than talking to me. Right. Um, right. But people also just, it's almost like you're not there. They cut in front of you. Wow. And just, you know, people do that when you're on crutches as well. And I don't know if it's because a disability or someone with a disability makes them feel uncomfortable. But it could be. But for me, I'm very open about it. I mean, it, in the time I've been networking online, I could have never told anyone that I had problems with my leg, but I don't see why I should hide it. Well, no, and this is why I wanted you to come on, because just because when we see you from the head up, right, and you don't come into a meeting and go, you know, oh, I'm in, I'm in some extra, extra pain today. You just talk about whatever we're talking about, and nobody would know unless they've heard your story and, and knew what you were were going through and do you feel it's because if you talk about it people are just going to judge you in a negative way or do you just feel that actually it's not an issue to me so I don't feel the need to talk about it how, how does that work what do you think yeah I mean I'm open about it if I'm asked questions about it I mean that's it with my health I'm an open book if someone asks me about any aspect of my health I'll answer them honestly because I don't have anything to hide and if they're not comfortable with that then that's up to them Good. I mean I have met people that when you tell them that you've got problems in your leg and that you've got crutches they're a bit like mm, okay and they don't talk to you right some right. people just don't want to be you know associated with someone with a disability and that's fine it I don't let it bother me because those people obviously aren't meant to be in my life right exactly but there's a lot of people out there that okay what I have is quite unique but you know there's other issues that people have and they don't feel comfortable talking about it they don't feel comfortable saying yes I have a disability and this is what being in pain is like doesn't bother me which is brilliant because you're the kind of person who who I want our listeners to to kind of hear talking about this because it's not something you asked for it's not something no. you chose 
right? It's not something that you did to yourself or that anybody necessarily did to you in that this issue happened when you were little and, in the, and then the subsequent stories are, are those stories that we've heard. So when people look at a disability and do you think they see the disability and not the person? Do you think yeah. they see the crutches in the wheelchair, but they just don't see who is that person sat in there? Yeah, and I think as well, there's kind of a stigma that where people feel like they can't ask what's wrong or what happened. Right. Um, and I guess there's some people out there that don't like that question. But right. for me, I'd rather someone said to me, what happened, what's wrong, rather than pretended that I wasn't there. Right. So let's let's kind of go into best case scenario then, because I think what you've said is is so important. And if if there are people who are listening who are going, oh, shoot, that's me. I feel uncomfortable around somebody who's got a disability and I'd rather just kind of walk away or speak to the person who is pushing the wheelchair. What would you say to them? Because I think it's important that they understand that you are a human being and you're okay talking about you so if if i was to come up and see you and you can see that i'm looking at the person who's pushing the chair what would you want to say to me if i kind of don't know what to say i mean i will admit that i have said to people you know and kind of put myself in the conversation when that's happened to me because right. you know i can talk it's my leg that's wrong not my mouth plenty of people will tell you that sometimes don't shut up um but yeah I think as well some people need to realize that even if you're uncomfortable then just don't ask what's wrong just have a normal conversation right, right. if you're exactly. uncomfortable around a disability you don't need to bring that subject up because right. most of us we're not going to you know throw that straight into a conversation that's yeah. got nothing to do with it you know I don't show up to a meeting and say oh my leg because yeah, that's exactly it, right. it doesn't matter really so I would imagine that it tends to be adults and probably older adults who have more of an issue than kids for example do, do you find that kids are quite open to it and we'll just talk to you like anybody else or do you find that actually kids are a little bit like not sure as well um I find that actually kids ask quite a lot of questions which yeah. you know sometimes their parents are like no you can't ask that no you can't ask that right um, interesting and but I'm actually I actually think it's better that kids are brought up that yes you can ask questions yes that's okay and that if people are happy to explain you know why people use crutches or you know then yeah. that's better but the biggest issue I've had especially with older people is obviously I've got quite a lot of scarring on my leg and right. I don't hide that I wear shorts a lot because it's more comfortable and right. there's been a lot of occasions where I've been told that I should cover that up Right, so who 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 are these people who are telling you this? Strangers, usually. Oh, older really? People. Yeah. Whoa. Right, so somebody who hasn't got a clue about you or what the issue is thinks it's okay to tell you to cover it up because to them they're uncomfortable seeing it. Yeah, That's I mean, I don't I don't notice they're there anymore. Most of the people you know that are in my life are used to it. Like my family, they've seen it from, you know. Like my sister, when I had my last surgery, she changed the dressings when it was full of staples. It doesn't phase her at all. Right. But right. Yeah. And I'm guessing that this is where people are so, I guess it's partly to do with the way that 
their parents have brought them up and what they are told is acceptable behavior and what is not. But are you ever, uh, do, I mean, do you ever say, hello, I'm here? Yes. <laughs> I'd want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I just go, hello. <laughs> yeah, I have What's done that. When you do do that. The, 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 people tend to be so apologetic and uncomfortable right. and it's just but at the same time you know I am a person I like yeah. talking to people um yeah. when I'm out and about I don't want to be ignored because I spend a lot of time on my own so right um so how do you find then is the best way or is it still kind of a a work in progress for you to manage the pain because I'm I I know from the the short period of time in comparison to what you're talking about i had around about 10 years of, of back pain issues and that was something that can at times just take over your life because it does restrict what you can do and that sort of stuff but when i just can't imagine having the pain 24 7 all the time so do you are you constantly trying different ways of managing it or has it gotten to a level now where you kind of go yeah this is this is my tolerable normal and that's it yeah it's kind of got to a level now where i know what makes it worse i know right. the things that kind of help i'm terrible at resting like whether it's my leg or another health issue that's giving me a bit of trouble I, I don't like to take days off. I refuse to nap during the day. Um, but yeah, I've kind of got medication that makes it bearable. Um, right. And it, and it does seem to do what it's meant to do. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you've got to weigh up the, you know, pros and cons of medication as well, don't you? Like yeah. I yeah. went through a period of being on morphine for a year and that was not related to my leg. Yes, right. it helped my leg. But all the other things that came with it, I was like, you know what? Actually, I don't want to be on this anymore. Right. Um, and that's unfortunately, you can't kind of know how your body's going to react, can you, until you've been on it for a while. And then you've got to make that decision and go, all right, so it's helping this. But is is the payoff kind of worth it? So if you are, for example, in a, a situation where you find that it is uncomfortable and you just do you find that just moving and moving kind of position helps you to feel less pain are you somebody who has to keep changing positions or do you find that once you're in a position you kind of want to stay in it for as long as you possibly can before you have to move because something else is telling you to move no I, I do kind of tend to move around a lot anyway um but that's why like right now I'm sat on my sofa if I'm in a networking meeting I'm always sat on the sofa because I can recline it, I can have my leg elevated, and that's right. much more comfortable than sitting at a desk for me. Right. Um, and some people have said, you know what, you should sit at a desk, but I'm not willing to do that because it's it's not worth it for me. Right, and this is where you know your body, don't you? I would imagine, do you get this a lot? Do a lot of people tell you, tell you what you should be doing? Yes. <laughs> How does that or make say, you feel? You can't do that, and I'll be like, watch me do that, because... <laughs> You know, I will go and do things that people think you shouldn't be doing on crutches. Right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, things I am like a person. Give us a clue. I, I know my limits. And if someone else tells me what my limits are, trust me, I will bite their head off. Right. So I would imagine that, that because you're quite determined, 
do you do you kind of feel that by keeping on going by not allowing yourself to to have a rest and stuff are you kind of mentally keeping that resilience going do you think yeah I think if I gave into it that would be it right and is that a, is that a genuine fear do you think that's part of why you don't do it or have you never actually done it to give yourself the option to find out I've never done it to give myself the option to find out and there is a reason for that so I grew up um in a house with my dad was quite severely disabled he had a spinal fusion and everything right and he spent a lot of time very depressed not getting on with things um and I kind of used that because I looked at him and I thought well I don't want to be like that I don't want to feel sorry for myself I don't want to limit myself and I'm terrible at doing nothing I couldn't do it right and this is the power so when I'm talking to a lot of people and if you've done any kind of self-development stuff and we we kind of look about look at the psychology of, of what makes us want to do things or not do things we talk about this push away from pain and this pull towards pleasure um, and what I found is that oftentimes the pull towards pleasure is not really powerful enough to keep people going but the push away from pain seems to be more powerful and from what you've just said there the idea is that you're pushing away from the possibility that you might be like your dad and you might end up in in that kind of depressed state and not doing things that that is your driver is that fair yeah, to say for you? That's fair to say. And I, I, I'm very open. I've said on many occasions, I'm too stubborn to be depressed. Right. I won't let myself. Um, and yeah, a lot of people find that hard because a lot of people say, well, if I were you, I'd be depressed. Right. But, but they're talking about themselves and they haven't yeah. actually been through your experience. One thing that I'm sure our listeners would be interested to know about, and I am as well, have you ever kind of had moments, not necessarily now, because obviously your resilience builds as you grow and the more you do the stuff that you know helps you, the, the more resilient we get. But when you were younger, did you ever feel and find yourself kind of going, why me, it's not fair, why has this happened to me? Did you ever have those thoughts when you were a kid? Not really, I guess, because when things happen when you're a kid, you just find a way to adapt. I think it's much easier to have something like this from childhood. Right, because, that's interesting. You know, if you get it later in life, then you lose things that you loved. You have right. to find a way to give up things because you're no longer able to do them. Whereas I never was able to do certain things, Brilliant. so I don't miss them. Right, So, because exactly, you can't miss what you what you never had. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense that you are so positive. Um, and I can see that people thinking about the pain and the discomfort and the stuff that you can't do now, I can, you can kind of see why they go to, oh, my God, I don't know how you cope with it, because they're looking at it from an adult head, but they've not grown up with it and experienced what you have. If somebody is listening who is struggling, maybe they've had an operation and perhaps they're thinking, actually, do you know what? I'm in more pain than I think I should be. Um, and perhaps they're getting the response that you did, that they're being told, no, everything's fine. What kind of words of wisdom would you give to them? Would you suggest that they go get a second or a third or a fourth opinion? Yeah, because no one knows your body like you do. If you right. feel like something's wrong, it's there's a high chance something is. Yeah. Especially if it's, you know, in relation to something you've had for a long time, like I right. did. And I knew it wasn't right. Um, yeah. And your body in you 
you know your body and your body signals, don't you, better than anybody. And I think one of the messages that we kind of get from the medical profession is often that I'm the professional and and I'm educated and I'm the surgeon and so I know better than you. But the truth of the matter is, and you very clearly said it, is you don't they don't know your body better than you. And if something doesn't feel right, then it ain't right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people too often will look at, you know, a word to describe a condition, a diagnosis, and that's what they expect you to define yourself by. I mean, if I sit and reel off what's wrong with me, because it's not just my leg that's wrong with me, people are like, how do you cope? But because I've had issues with pain, I just kind of take things in my stride brilliant when because there will be people listening going okay so what else is wrong with her are you do you do you want to because because people do uh, you dropped a little nugget there you opened the door uh, w- would you like to share some of the other issues that you're also dealing with because i, I think it, it's it's a whole picture then that people can understand but it also lends itself to seeing why your mindset and the resilience is really working for you so i have six chronic conditions on top of my knee pain Um, I don't feel the need to sit and talk about what they are or say what they are and I'm not going to because one or two of them not many people know that I actually suffer with that because I don't want to be defined by that right Um, but for me it's just an extra bit like when I get diagnosed with something it's just me learning something else about myself right and I go and deal with it brilliant and this is this is why and thank you for for sharing that because you are absolutely not going to let a diagnosis define what you can do and how you feel about yourself it certainly not stopped you from deciding that you wanted to work from home not only in one business but in now two Uh, and and i think the overriding message that i hope people can get from this is attitude and how you look at this stuff is everything isn't it yeah. yeah and if for the people that you know are in pain and are struggling there's people out there like me that are willing to listen right right and and over and above everything talking about it as long as you are okay with asking the person's permission and saying are you all right talking about this if they are open to listening to you i think it's helpful for other people to to disclose what's going on for them with somebody who gets it. Do you find that people tell you because they know a little bit about what you're going through? Do they tell you more about their physical struggles or do you find that actually they don't want to talk about their stuff? They're quite happy to let you talk about your stuff. Um, A bit of both. Some people will come to me because they're like, oh, I just I don't really know who else to talk to and I'll sit and listen. But there are other people that will sit there and say, but what I go through is nothing compared to what you do. And I always say to them, you might feel like that, but everyone's pain is different. Every person is different. So no one's worse off than anyone else to me. We all just have different struggles. Yeah. And that's something that I think is important to, to repeat. Everyone's pain is different. But if it's painful to you, it doesn't matter what it's like in relation to anybody else's pain. It just doesn't make any difference. It's how you feel about it, isn't it? And yeah. just for people who who can't get their head around what you've been through, um, <laughs> and maybe they are perhaps contemplating surgery, 
Um, do you have any kind of tips or advice to them to sort of get themselves prepared for what may lay ahead? What did you find was helpful when you were in plaster? Um, and, and what shouldn't people perhaps be doing? I think with surgery, if, especially if you've had a bad experience like I do, don't overthink it. I don't spend that much time thinking about what I need to do. I just get up on the day, go, and that's it. You know, right. have the surgery job done. Um, being in plaster, it's not great. Um, I don't really have any advice because being hip to ankle is, it's not nice. Um, it is better now because the casts have got a lot lighter than what yeah. they were um, yeah. when I had my first one because I literally left my leg. Um, but yeah, just find things to do. Even if you're stuck in bed, you know, yeah. read a book, find something. To, I read all seven Harry Potter books in three days when I was in plaster. Nice. Because. <laughs> so, it. yeah, there, there so is keep things yourself busy. to do. And um, what about asking for help, though? Or would you suggest that people uh, try and get a balance between pushing themselves to, to move and, and do stuff for themselves and, and relying on others. Because I'm guessing, obviously, like you said, when you had your cast, it was flipping heavy. <laughs> and you probably needed yeah. help to, to, to lift it up and sort of get you into bed and stuff like that. But there must have been, obviously, because we've, we've gathered that you're pretty determined, that you will have decided that you were going to do as much as possible on your own. And there must be kind of a, a balance between people trying to do everything for themselves or doing nothing and let people help. So what would you say is a sensible kind of balance? Would you say have a go yourself first and if you're struggling, ask for help? Or would you say ask for help and, and wait until you feel mentally a bit stronger? Or does it just really very much depend For me, on the it's person? very much uh, try and do it. And if I can't, try again. Try a few more times. And then if I really can't, ask for help. Right. Um, cool. There's still some things that I can't do for myself. Like little things. So I can't put a sock on my right foot. Right. Um, but as a way of getting around that, I wear flip-flops and stuff a lot of the time. You know, I wear shoes that don't need socks. Brilliant. Um. But I have to accept that if I'm going out somewhere and I need to put on other shoes, I'm going to have to get my partner to put a sock on my feet. It's right. not the end of the world. Um, and he just, you know, he's used to it now. He's kind right. of been, he, you know, we've been together 14 years. So he's been there for the last two surgeries. And wow. we were friends before that. So he kind of was aware of the first one. But he thought I was in plaster because I'd fallen down drunk. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm guessing he was quite pleased that that wasn't the truth or would he have preferred if you'd have just had an accident falling down drunk? I mean, I guess if I'd had an accident falling down drunk, we wouldn't have had all the issues since. But since I don't drink, that would have been quite an achievement. <laughs> right. So just run us through, just kind of to finish off with, because some of the things that you do do and have done uh, are quite amazing. But obviously, like you said, you can't go rock climbing. So let's go on the negative first. What things can't you do? So you don't drink alcohol. I'm assuming that's because you're on medication and it's probably not a good idea if you go do something when you're right. So you don't drink. What else do you not do? We don't so drink, I we can't, don't I can't kneel at all. Um, can't kneel down, right? quite a simple thing, but it, it can be, you know, a little bit difficult. Obviously, I can't go running or anything like that. Um, yeah. Swimming's another one, which technically I can do, but because I had a bad experience, I don't do. 
Right. Um, but there's not that many things. I mean, I guess the biggest one and the one that I've kind of struggled with a little bit is the struggle with driving because my leg shakes and I don't feel like it's safe to drive. Right. The doctor said that it is because it's not unstable, but I don't feel comfortable. And I think if you're uncomfortable with something, don't force yourself to do it. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a brilliant. Repeat that so people can hear that loud and clear. Repeat it again. <laughs> Unless you're comfortable with something, don't do it. So for me, driving would make life easier, but it's I don't feel safe, so I'm yeah. not going to do it. Brilliant. And I think that that's such an important message to get across. Just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should. If you are yeah. not comfortable with with how it makes you feel, then it's a no. So let's go on a lighter note because you've done some amazing things that people would think, how? So what what <laughs> have you been able to do? Um, so I did go back to university and I finished my degree. So I've got a health sciences degree, even Brilliant. if I don't use it. I have done things. I mean, I've even climbed a waterfall in my life in Morocco. Admittedly, someone had to carry me back down, but I did it. I do things like run charity events that run for a whole month. And I'm doing that again in May. So probably by June, I won't be very well. But you know what? Sometimes it's worth it. And this is this is the joy of talking to you because you're always doing something. Uh, and I think that that, as you said, keep busy whether you're you know, recovering from an operation, keep your mind busy, do what you can, have a go at stuff and keep on trying, um, but then ask for help if, if you genuinely can't do it. And the positivity that, that comes from you is, is such a joy because you're not kind of going, ooh, positive thinking, oh, la, la, la. You're just going, no, yeah. this is just part of my life and I've adapted. And you know, if I can't do certain things, I get away around it, like wearing flip-flops instead of having to put socks on. And it's just... Just you're very matter of fact about it and I think I'm hoping that people will will see the way that you're talking about it as as a refreshing positive change not in a rah-rah way but in a yeah down to earth kind of a way so anything that you would like to pass on as a message of inspiration or hope or just just something that you might want to just share to to leave our listeners with so I think it's important to always smile even if you don't feel like it and I think it's really important for people to remember that people with disabilities are people too, and you can talk to them. We don't bite, or at least not often. That's brilliant. Thank you, Becca. It has been an absolute joy and a pleasure, and I knew it would be. All of Becca's information about her businesses is above uh, the the video. If you're listening to this on podcast, then you will find it in the information on the podcast with links on how to connect to her. And she will be very open to connecting to people who are genuinely sensible and maybe want to just talk to her about how they're coping with pain and just to get a little dose of Becca's incredible positive resilience. Thank you so much for your time. I have been Vicky Midwood. This has been Raw Chatter and we are talking about stuff that does matter keep talking folks and i'll speak to you again really soon